praise God for speaking and working this morning. I did get a memo that they both audio and video recorded the ladies' conference, and so any of you ladies that missed that or that were here and would like to hear it again, just go in the bookstore and order that, and we'll get that to you as quick as we can. We're in Psalm chapter 119 this morning, Psalm chapter 119. While I was in South Carolina, I had the privilege to preach on Tuesday morning, and then Grace and I had the opportunity to sing every service, I think, several, several times, and just appreciate all the prayers. But on Wednesday night, while y'all were here, listening to Brother Caleb, a dear friend of mine, Brother Rackley, preached out of this passage of scripture, a message that I have not been able to get away from. I very rarely do I ever preach somebody else's thought, but that thought was just too good to not come back and share with you. Uh, I've made this statement before, I milk a lot of cows, but I make my own butter. <clears throat> so this is a mixture of some of the things that he preached on Wednesday night, along with some things that the Lord has given me on top of it. Uh, I'm grateful this morning to see God speaking and working in hearts. And that's really what the message is about this morning. Would you stand with me, please? as we read a couple of verses, give you a chance to stretch your legs as well as give us a chance to show reverence to the word of God. Aren't you thankful for God's word? Amen. Psalm 119, we're gonna begin reading in verse number 121. The Bible says, I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Verse 126, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. That's what I wanna preach on this morning. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. How many of you would raise your hand this morning and say it's time for God to work? Can we, get a, can we get a consensus in here this morning? Father, we ask you now if you would help us as we open the scriptures, open our hearts and minds and may God be glorified and may God's people be helped, I pray. And if there be someone here today that's not saved, that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that you would take the message today and speak to them and help them in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Back when we were in construction, back in the construction days before I went to the ministry, we used to go by the gas station, Golden Pantry or whatever, grab a biscuit, cup of coffee, and we'd pull up on the job site. We'd all climb out of the truck and stand around and eat our biscuit drink our coffee or our Coca-Cola, whatever we had, and he could tell everybody was kind of getting slow start, and we'd stand around fellowship a while, and I'd have to look at these guys and say, boys, it's time to go to work. Can you stand around and talk all day? This house ain't gonna build itself. We'd have to put our coffee down and go start grabbing extension cords and air hoses and compressors and, and setting up saw benches and loading lumber on the bench and go to work, and you know, I thought, as I was reading this verse throughout this week after hearing that message on Wednesday night, if there's ever been a time we need God to work, it's now. And I mean, David's very passionate in this passage of scripture and he's being very, very blunt, very, very urgent in the way that he says this in verse number 126. But if I can, I just wanna back up a little bit and kinda lay a little bit of foundation. I wanna give you three simple points this morning 
from the verses that we've read. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I want you to notice David's heart. David's heart, in Psalm 119, by the way, it's the longest chapter in your Bible with 176 verses. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Interestingly enough, it's a chapter that speaks about the word of God. In fact, every single verse uh, makes some reference in some way, shape, or form to the word of God. However, it's more than just a chapter about the word of God. This is a chapter that is a prayer about the word of God. I don't know that I had ever noticed this before, but David starts out in the first part of chapter 119, and he says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. But for some reason, after verse three, it goes from talking about God to talking to God. In verse four, he says, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. And from verse four all the way to the end of the chapter, David is praying a prayer to God about the importance of the word of God. How many of you would agree with, this, with me this morning that the word of God is important? In fact, the Bible says he's exalted his word above his name. Now we know what a statement that is because he said that he hath given him a name which is above every name. And yet he's exalted his word above his name. And we sang that song just a few minutes ago, I still have a Bible, my guide to survive. Well, I'm glad this book is relevant in 2020, aren't you? Boy, we'd be in a mess if this Bible didn't apply to 2020. What a year this has been. What a crazy, crazy year this has been. Yesterday, I had the privilege of marrying Liana Capanella, one of our ladies, one of our ladies married a young man from over in uh, Pennsylvania and had a small little private wedding in their front yard up in Bel Air yesterday. And, and we were talking before the wedding and during the rehearsal Friday night about all the craziness that they've had to deal with just to try to get a, have a wedding and get it nailed down. And then we had the wedding and they couldn't get the CD player to work and, and her veil kept falling off. I mean, I finally, right in the middle of the wedding, I said, it's 2020, what do you expect? If it could go wrong, it's gone wrong in this year. I'm glad we have a Bible that is applicable to the day and age in which we live. And yet David here is so passionate about the word of God that he's not only writing about it, he's not only singing about it, he's praying about it, and he's talking to God about his word. He gets so engulfed in this prayer to God that he goes on and on and on and it's the longest, as I said, the longest chapter, the longest psalm in the Bible is David praying to God about the word of God. I believe we could agree David was passionate about the word of God. He referenced the word of God, as I said, in every single verse. You see, the, uh, you see several references to the word of God. 38 times he talked about thy word. 22 times he talked about his commandments. 22 times he talked about his statutes. 22 times he talked about his judgments. 23 times referenced his testimony. 25 times he talked about his law. 21 times he talked about his precepts. For 176 verses, David is talking to God about the word of God. This prayer is without question a window into the heart and the mind and soul of David. He was a man after God's own heart, but you can't go far in this chapter without seeing the love that David had, not just for God, but the word of God. And can I say this this morning? If you love God, you'll love his word. 
Show me somebody's got a problem with the word of God, I'll show you somebody's got a problem with God. I mean, this is, this, is, this is God's word. Everything we know about God was given to us right here. You can't say you love God and not love his word, amen. Sanctify them through thy truth, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth, Brother Justin. Amen, if you wanna know the truth, you're gonna get it from the word of God. You're not gonna get it from the headlines, the newspapers, you're not gonna get it from the social media, you're not gonna get it on the internet, you're gonna get it from the word of God. If you love the truth, you'll love the word of God. Over and over and over, David said, Psalm 119, he said in verse number 97, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. By the way, I'm gonna give you a couple of verses, just highlight a couple of verses in this chapter where David talked about loving the law of God. Now watch this, watch this. You say, well, I have a hard time understanding. There's things in the Bible that I don't understand. Well, God just showed me this just a minute ago while they were singing. Look in our text in verse number 124. David said, teach me thy statutes. He said in verse 125, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. And yet David, though he didn't know everything, though he didn't understand everything, he still loved the word of God. I love the parts I understand. I love the parts I don't understand, amen? Because the parts I don't understand just reiterates the fact that I've got a God that's a lot smarter than me. If you could understand it all and you knew it all, what, what good would a God be? But he knows everything. And when I read the Bible, a lot of times people say, preacher, I'm having a hard time understanding this verse. And they read it to me. I say, no wonder. I don't understand it either, but it's in there. I love it. Praise God. Look at verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. We're talking about David's heart. Look at verse 119. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. Look at verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Look at verse 132. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Look at verse 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Verse 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. What a verse right there, amen. One, I tell you how to put these liars, these false prophets out of business. Quit listening to them, amen. Quit going to their churches, quit buying their books, quit buying their DVDs, quit watching them on TV. If you hate lying and you abhor lying, put them out of business, amen. Say, so why is there so many false prophets in the world? It's called supply and demand. There's a great demand for false prophets. Come on now, stay with me. If everybody quit listening to them rascals, they'd have to go get them an honest job. David said, I hate them whore line, but thy law do I love. Verse 165, great peace. Underline this one in your Bible. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Well, that preacher, he offended me. Was he preaching the Bible? If he was preaching the Bible and you got offended, you just told on yourself that you don't love the word of God. Because David said, if you love his law, nothing will offend you. Boy, we live in a thin-skinned society, don't we? We got churches full of snowflakes. I'm gonna tell you why pulpits are not hot anymore because it melt two-thirds of the people sitting in the pews if, it had any, if they had any heat on it, amen? Preacher get up and preach like a blowtorch. It'd blow about three-fourths of them out the door. They'd melt and puddle up on the carpet. David said, I love the word of God. Nothing offends me. God, you just tell me what you want me to know and I'll do it. 167, is everybody still with me? My soul hath kept thy testimonies and I love them exceedingly. These are just some of the few places in this one chapter where you see David's heart, David's passion for the word of God, the law of God, the scriptures, fall in love all over again, church, with the Bible, the word of God. David's heart, number two, let's look at David's hurt. 
David's hurt. Let's look at let's just look at the immediate proximity of verse number 126. If we go back to verse number 121, we're just reading just these few verses right here. David's in desperate need of divine reinforcements. He needs help. By the way, David knows where to go when he needs help. Amen. When I'm overwhelmed, he said, I'll go to the rock that's higher than I. Amen. He didn't, he didn't go to his next door neighbors. He didn't go to his mother-in-law. He didn't go to his mama. He didn't go to his, he didn't go to his uh, church family. He went to God. He's surrounded by heathens. He's living in, he's living in a wicked, wicked world. He's surrounded by those that hate him, hate God, and the things of God. We could describe David's hurt just by looking at a couple of words in these verses right here. We see the first one is oppression. He uses the word oppressors and oppression twice. Verse 121, verse number 122. I've done judgment and justice. Leave me not to mine oppressors. He says, let not the proud oppress me. This is, the, this is what David's dealing with and contending with. As I looked up that word oppressors in that verse, it literally means to violate, to defraud, to do violence, to get deceitfully, to do wrong, to extort. Literally, it means to press upon, oppress, pressure. David said, I'm dealing with outside worldly, carnal, heathenistic pressure. Can anybody in here agree and identify with David in this verse? The pressure is on, church. He's surrounded by pressure. He was, uh, and it was not pressure, by the way, to do right. <laughs> There's not enough of that. There's not enough positive peer pressure. Positive peer pressure. I started to say to our young people, but I'm preaching to everybody. Somehow or another, we always talk about peer pressure and we look at the kids, we look at the teenagers, but we deal with it too every day of our life. Peer pressure, somebody trying to squelch, somebody trying to pour water on our fire, somebody trying to get us to pump the brakes. Somebody putting up roadblocks to try to keep us from moving forward for God. David wasn't dealing with pressure on ways to get closer to God or, or, or serving God or trying to accomplish more for God, but rather the pressure was on uh, to try to get him to stop and to quit and to give up and to walk away from God. The pressure was designated to break down his morale, wear away at his commitment to God. The pressure, what he was dealing with, was intended to get him to get discouraged and disengaged from his service to God. The pressure was on him to get him to rethink his positions and renegotiate his terms and reevaluate his choices. The pressure was on him to get him to turn his back on God and begin to serve the gods of the heathen. David said, please, Lord, leave me not to mine oppressors. I'm dealing with a lot of pressure. I need some help. I'm glad we have somebody we can go to when we're being pressured. Not only was he dealing with oppression, but he was dealing with pride the proud in verse number 122. Let not the proud oppress me. You know, it's amazing to me how proud the wicked crowd is. Today, for example, is coming out day. This is the day that the LGBTQ community, or as God calls them, the Sodomites, has designated as coming out day. This is the day you need to come out of your closet and be proud of the fact that you were born a pervert. It's still an abomination unto God. Now don't get mad at me. Don't, get, don't wad up on me on that or I'll change my whole message and I'll preach on the sodomite crowd for the next hour. I'm tired of it being shoved down our throats. 
you can't pick your phone up, you can't pick the newspaper up, you can't turn the radio on, but what, they're not shoving their ungodly, abominable agenda down the throats of people of all over this country? And I'm gonna tell you what I think about coming out. Are you ready? The Bible says, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, amen. I believe we all ought to come out. Amen, but come out of the world. Stop listening to that crowd, soft soaping it, trying to make it sound like it's normal and it's natural because the Bible tells us in unnatural affections. You weren't born that way. You was indoctrinated, you was recruited, you were brainwashed, you were told by the world that that's what you are. God didn't make you that way. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen. If it had been up in the Sodomite crowd, creation would have ended. Civilization would have ended. They can't reproduce, so what they do is they recruit. Say amen or owe me one. Amen. You say, preacher, Jesus died for that crowd. I know he died for them. And I'm, I'm thankful for the ones I've seen get saved in my ministry. I lead them to Christ. Amen. Jesus died for them. That doesn't excuse the sin. Amen. Jesus died for murderers too. We preach against murder. Goodness. Jesus died for rapists, but we preach against rape, amen. Jesus died for child molesters, and I think that's about as low as a person can go, just to be honest with you. But Jesus died for them, they can get saved, but they're gonna have to turn from their sin. Where am I at? Oh, I'm still preaching about the proud. I got distracted. Y'all leave me alone, I'm trying to preach. All through chapter 119, David talked about the proud. Verse 21, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. By the way, pride, pride's it demonstrated not only by that crowd, but a lot of times it's demonstrated by the straight-laced, independent, fundamental Baptist crowd too. We got about as much pride as anybody. We're proud in our, our morality. We get proud of our, our, our stand. We get proud of our convictions. We get proud of our preferences. We're proud of our haircuts. We're proud of our clothes and our standards. We're proud of our music. We're proud of everything. I'm telling you, God hates pride. It don't matter whose life it's in. Just thought I'd clear the air on that in case anybody was starting to get a little bit puffed up. Just thought I'd let the air out of your balloon right there. God hates pride, all of it, amen. He, preached, he talked about the proud in verse 51. The proud have had me greatly in derision. Verse 69, the proud have forged a lie against me. Verse 78, let the proud be ashamed for they've dealt perversely with me. Verse 85, the proud have digged pits for me. Verse 122, for surety for thy servant for good, but let not the proud oppress me. Boy, he's being hurt by the proud. Depression and pride, I ain't even got to my message yet. Rebellion, let me hurry. Look at our text, verse 126. It's time for thee, O Lord, to work for they have made void thy law. Boy, that's where we're at right now. They've made void Thy law, this describes the day that we live in perfectly. The oppressors, the proud, have made void God's law. That word, that statement, have made void, literally means to shatter, to break, and to violate. They've taken the word of God, ripped it to shreds, thrown it to the side, just like Moses dropped those tablets and threw those tablets down and broke them into pieces, coming off of Mount Sinai. That's exactly what we've done to the commandments and the laws of God as a society. The law that David's been praying about, praising about, promoting, thanking God for, preaching about, passionate about is the law that he's talking about they have made void in our text this morning. 
David was so emotional. He was so passionate about the things of God that in verse number 136, he said, rivers of waters run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. I just preached a few weeks ago on when they cried. He saw the affliction when they cried. Remember that? Out of Psalm 106, would to God we cried again when they broke the laws and the commandments of God. But I want to get to my message. We see, thirdly, David's hope. David's hope is found in our text in verse number 126. David said, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. Boy, that's speaking volumes. David's hope was in God working. His hope, by the way, wasn't in him working. Three times just in these few verses, he referred to himself as thy servant. He actually referred to himself 13 times in this chapter as the servant of God. But David knew the secret to revival was not in him working, it was in God working. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not minimizing us working with God, but I'm telling you right now, we need God to work. Here's the problem, stay with me. The problem is God's having to do a lot of work on us so much that he can't work in us and through us. Imagine what God could do if he wouldn't have to spend all of his time working on us and he could work through us. Come on now. You see somebody got their car jacked up and they got all the tires off and they got the hood open. They ain't going nowhere in that car no time soon. They ain't gonna be working with that car. They're working on it. We got a lot of Christians. Come on now. God can't work in us and through us and with us because he's working on us. David said, please, God, we need you to work. Three subpoints I want to give you about David's hope. I want you to get this. Number one, David's hope was based on God's past working. See, God, David wanted God to work because David knew God could work. David had seen God work. David had heard about God working and David knew if anybody could get it fixed, if anybody could turn it around, it was God when God started working, amen. Hey, when God clocks in, business starts to pick up. And it's amazing, God will go a while. He'll go a while and just let things go. I thought about God's time frame for us. We have a time frame, don't we? We've got a calendar. We want God, of course, that's what David's saying here. Lord, it's time for thee to work. I need you to work right now. That's wonderful. And we're gonna get to that in just a second. But can I tell you something? God sometimes just picks his own time to work. He let him, he let him work in Egypt for 400 years before he did anything about it. Come on now. He let him, that was 400 years. He let him wander in the wilderness for 40 years before he did something about it. With Lazarus, he let him lay in the grave for four days before he decided to show up. But you know what I love about God? Four days, 40 years, 400 years. It don't make no never mind. God can still do something, amen. God has the power and the ability to make the difference. Sure he does. David had written about the miracles of the past and throughout the book of Psalms, he had written about the pestilences against Egypt. He had read about the, written about the parting of the Red Sea. He had written about the provision for the nation of Israel with God providing the water and the, and the manna and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the quail. And he said, can God provide a table in the wilderness? He had, he had written about the protection of, from God's people against the uncircumcised heathen of the land. He had read about and wrote about the pulling down of the walled cities and the prevailing against the giants of the land. David had experienced God working and he knew that God was the secret to getting things fixed. We need God to work and we need God to work now. 
Not only was David's hope based on God's past working, David's hope was based on God's present working. Lord, verse number 126, it is time for thee to work. What is he saying? We need you to work now. We know you've worked in the past. We could write books about all the work you've done in the past, all the people's lives you've changed in the past, all the miracles that you've performed. We could write books about your past performances, but God, right now we're living in a day and age where the past ain't gonna get it. What you did yesterday and last year and in the last generation and in the last century, we need you to do something and we need you to do it now. That's where we've got to be as Christians. God, we need you to do something right now. We've got an election coming up here in just a few days. We need God to work now. I ain't content to wait till the end of November, December. We need God to work right now. Can I get a witness? Don't get nervous on me. We need God to work in this country. We need him to work now. It's crystal clear to David. It's time for the Lord to work. David wasn't content with God's past workings. He wasn't satisfied with this long list of God's past accomplishments. He wasn't happy to write about God's past deeds. He needed God to work now. We gotta to get to that place where we fall on our knees and say, God, we need you and we need you right now. We need you today. The Senate confirmation hearing starts tomorrow. For a pro-life judge, to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We need God. We need God. We need his mercy. By the way, we've got some pro-life bumper stickers back in the Welcome Center. We've got about 25 back there. Y'all can fight over them after the service. I'm pro-life. Because God's pro-life. Amen. You can't be a Bible-believing Christian and not be pro-life. Oh, no, he didn't. Yes, I just did. I know you didn't just say that, girlfriend. Yes, I just did say that. You cannot be a Bible-believing Christian and vote for somebody that believes in the wholesale slaughter of the unborn. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. I don't care if they got a D or an R or an I in front of their name. I don't care who they are, male or female, black or white. I don't care nothing about nothing the rest of it. If they're pro-life, I'm voting for them. If they're not pro-life, I ain't a voting for them. Period. I'm gonna, go to, I'm gonna go to my grave with a clear conscience that I've never one time pulled the lever for somebody that believed in killing babies. Not one time will I do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't have the blood of those babies on my hands. I'm trying to preach. Y'all quit. Leave me alone. I'm trying to preach. We need God to work. We need God to work now. Number three, write this down. David's hope was based on God's potential working. Boy, this is the best part of the message right here. When David prayed this prayer, it was bad. The oppressors were in high gear. The proud was flaunting and, and, and arrogant and, 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 and they were they were violating and breaking and shattering, making void the laws of God. But you know what David said? David said, God, it's not too late for you to turn this thing around. See, here's our problem right here. Many of us think it's too late. Well, we've passed the point of no return. 
God will never do a work. God will never. Let me tell you something. It's never too late for God to work. It's never too late. If he can raise Lazarus from the dead, been in the grave four days, he'd been in the grave so long when he said, take the stone away, they said, Lord, he stinks by now. Reminds me of some of these teenagers after soul winning on Wednesdays. <laughs> Lord, he stinketh. Open the, roll away the stone. He's been in there four days. God said, I know what time it is. I know how long he's been in there. He's good and dead. He wasn't just dead, he was good and dead. Amen. The Jews kind of had this superstition, their little spirit kind of hovered there for a couple days afterwards, you know. God said, let's get all that out of the way. Let's get all that out of the way. There's no possible way. There's no possible way that he's just been in there in a coma. There's no way he's been in there just, no, no. I want everybody to understand this. He's dead. Has everybody got it? He's dead. Oh, yeah, Lord, he stinks by now. Perfect. That's perfect. That's wonderful. The timing couldn't be better. Roll the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. Why did he say Lazarus, come forth? Because if he'd have said, come forth, every corpse in that cemetery would have come out of there. You know I'm telling the truth. He has, let's, get, let's be specific here. Lazarus, hey, rest of y'all just stay where you're at. I'm talking to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says he came out of there bound up like a mummy. I'd love to see how did he walk. Did he hover? How did he come out of there wrapped up like a mummy? How did he come out of there? He just, just come out of there. Loose him and let him go. Oh, my goodness, it's too late for God to do anything in America. No, it's not. But, Lord, but, 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 but we're dead and, and we stink. I know, isn't that wonderful? It stinks. It's perfect. Could, the timing couldn't be better for God to work. David said, it is time, Lord, to work. It's time to work. Our churches are in a mess. Christians are in apathy and apostasy. We got people falling out of church quicker than they're joining churches. We got marriages splitting up. We got kids going hog wild. We got missionaries coming off the field. We got pastors resigning from their churches. Oh, it's too bad. No, 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 it's just about right. God can do something now. He is talking to God in verse 126. Called him Lord, capital L. Capital O, capital R, capital D. Is that what your King James Bible says? That's Jehovah God, the one true God, the only God. The God that said, there is no God beside me. <clears throat> David said, yeah, I'm talking to him. I'm not praying to some God of stone carved out of wood. I'm not talking to some little statue. I'm not talking to some little fat-bellied man sitting over here that I got from my mama. No, 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 I'm talking to the creator of the universe. I'm not talking to some old man with a long white hair and a beard sitting in a rocking chair looking over the banisters of heaven, stressing out and taking baby aspirins to go to sleep at night. I'm talking to God. Talking to God. If you've got somewhere to go, you can slip out. I'm just getting wound up. It's time for God to work, amen? I'm telling you one reason why God can't work, we put him on a 30-minute time frame. God, ready, set, go. Go, go, you got 30 minutes, work, 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 work. I gotta go eat, I gotta go eat, I gotta go watch a ball game. I got a football game coming on. Uh-uh, uh-uh, not around here, we don't do that. You, hey, you go get in your car and leave before I get done. We're gonna let the air out of your tires. We need to get those things that go across the driveway over there, those big old sharp things that stick up like this right here. And they don't go down until the preacher's done preaching, amen. If you try to leave, you gotta buy four new tires. Come on now. Captive audience. 
Can I give you an illustration to talk about what I'm talking about? I want you to take your Bible right quick. Turn over, turn over to Genesis chapter number 18. Let me show you this right quick and we'll be done. Genesis chapter number 18. You say, preacher, it's just too late. It's just too bad. It's too far gone. The, 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 the Hollywood's just infiltrated every aspect of our homes and our churches and, and, and social media's got such a, such a powerful voice and they're censoring anybody that says anything contrary to what they think and goes against their agenda. And, and we've got government officials all the way from the county school board all the way up to the White House. We've got people in every position. We've got people in every office, all this swamp we talk about, all these swamp monsters, all this, these bureaucrats that are in there that's got their socialist agenda and humanistic agenda and their atheistic agenda and, and they believe in evolution and, and, and they believe believe in all this crazy stuff and, they, and, and they, they believe that if they found water on Mars that it means there's life on Mars but a woman can kill her baby right before he's born because it doesn't really constitute as a life and, and they're all messed up about these 57 genders and, and they believe in global warming and they think we're going to destroy the world if we use too much hairspray or drive a suburban and, and Lord, we just live in crazy times and preachers ain't preaching the truth and people aren't going to hear the gospel anymore people aren't getting saved and preachers are not surrendering to preach and young people's not getting surrendered to prayer. Lord, it's just too far gone. It's too far gone. Can I tell you something? It's not too far gone. Can I show you from the word of God why I'm saying it's not too far gone? Are you in Genesis yet? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Genesis. That's over here somewhere. Look at chapter number 18. Look at chapter number 18. Verse number nine, they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? He said, behold, she's in the tent. He said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the, what's that next word? That's the same Hebrew word as we see in Psalm 119, verse 126. Time. I'll return according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. Chapter 17, verse number one says Abraham was 90. By the time this baby was born, verse 17, he was 100 and Sarah was 90. Is everybody still with me? The Bible says, now Sarah and Abraham were old and well stricken in age and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. It was beyond hope. I mean, she, she said, there's, there's no way. You're going to have a, Abraham, you're going to have a baby. You're going to be the father of a great nation. Your wife is going to have a baby. She started laughing. She said, there ain't no way. There's no way. Maybe if you'd have told me that 30, 40 years ago, I'd have believed you, but there's no way. Verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Look that word old up. It's the Hebrew word bala. You know what it means? Wore out. That's what she said. She said, I'm too old. I'm wore out. Come on now. Some of y'all thought you was wore out, but you ain't just wore out. Come on now. She says, I'm wore out. I'm past being usable. We throw away stuff that's wore out, don't we? Come on now. We throw away tires that are bald. We throw away tools that are broken and don't work. We throw away dishes that are broken and cracked. They're wore out and they're done. We done got all the good out of them we can get. 
She said, Lord, I'm old. That word means wore out. It means used up. There's nothing left, come on, to work with. There's nothing left. I'm empty. I'm done. I'm old. How many of y'all are wore out this morning? And I'm talking about the world is wearing you out. Spiritually, you're trying your best to walk with God and serve God, but I'm telling you, it's taking every bit of commitment, dedication you can muster. Wore out. This society is wearing me out. It's getting on my nerves. I just sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm done. I, there's nothing else I can do. Oh my goodness. Verse 14, y'all need to highlight that in your Bible. God said, I know how old you are. God said, I know how old out you are. I know your womb is empty, done. But is anything too hard for the Lord? What are you saying, Sarah? Are you saying I'm not God? Are you saying your age is greater? Are you saying your limitations? Are you saying your dryness? Are you saying your emptiness? Are you saying the fact that you're spent? Are you saying that's greater than I am? There's nothing too hard for God. And he said in verse number 14, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of thy life. Can I tell you something? When David said, Lord, it is time for you to work, you know what he was saying? We gotta have you to do something because we are past the place of us being able to do anything about what's going on. We need you to work. Humanly speaking, it's without hope. We look around, shake our heads, say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. If I hear any kind of a trumpet, I just start doing this. I'm thinking, maybe that's it. <laughs> Somebody play a trombone. I'm like, get out of the way. I'm fixing to go to heaven. That's it. This is it right here. I'm ready. Looking for that blessed hope. He may come today, but he might not come for a few more years. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. God likes to work when nothing else will. When all hope is gone, there's still hope. We look around, we think it's all over. Guess what? It's not all over. It's just getting started. God's fixing to do something. In this church and in, and in this country, in this nation, I know he is. In spite of the oppression, in spite of the pride, in spite of the rebellion going on, God is fixing to do something. Would you stand with me all across the building with heads bowed and eyes closed? When we've exhausted all of our resources and all of our solutions, we need to pray like David prayed. It's time for thee, Lord, to work.